Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. We're going into the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about self-control today. Woohoo! Aren't you excited you came to church today? Yes, I just wanted to hear Pastor preach about self-control. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, well, this is, uh, this is the last Fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about in the Fruit of the Spirit series. I don't know about you, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've loved walking this out with the Lord and just letting the Holy Spirit reveal and speak in our hearts and each one of these fruits that I believe are evidence of the Spirit of God in our lives, of living a life that's led by the Spirit, that's not led by the flesh. And so I'm excited to talk about this last one. I believe that God has called every single one of us uh, to a relationship with Him through salvation. And after that, He's called us to continue that journey and to continue that relationship. So we're going to Galatians chapter 5 for the last time that I know of for a while. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26 and as we're making our way there, can we, just, uh, can we just give it up for all the people that went all in with Jesus last week? We had eight that were water baptized, five kids that were dedicated. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? And then we say congratulations to Tuesday and Daniel. They got married at the end of service, dedicated their kids, got water baptized, got married all in the same day. You can't go more all in than that. That's, that's all in. And so... Uh, we're, we're celebrating with you guys. We're excited for you guys. And I know there's the big celebration that's coming, and we're all looking forward to that and, and continuing that. But I just, uh, I just, I'm excited about what God's doing, and uh, I'm thrilled. And uh, since last Sunday, we've got three that want to be water baptized today, so we're going to baptize them at the end of service. And if you're here this morning and you want to be water baptized, it's not too late. And I have good news for you. Brother Floyd Cox is back in town. And he fixed the heater. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. So last week, you, uh, you, you could have stored things in that cold water. This week, you can boil crawfish. And so um, it's good. We're, we're good. So no, I'm just kidding. It's not that hot. And I don't want to scare anybody that's getting baptized this morning. But um, anyways, but no, we're not going to freeze to death. Thank you, Jesus. So, but listen, stick around because before you go over to get lunch, stick around and uh, celebrate with us uh, these that are going all in uh, for the Lord. So we're excited about that. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, the fruit of the Spirit, talking about self-control today. This is what the Word says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature uh, craves. Uh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warned you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now let's jump to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 11. And if you were confused by why what I was reading wasn't what you were reading on the screen, it's because our translations were different this morning, and that's my fault. Uh, that's, not, uh, that's not our team's fault back there. That's my fault. I put it in wrong. But I was reading from the New International Version. The version on the screen was the New Living. Now we'll all be on the same page in Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with knowledge, with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray over this word and this time that we have together. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. God, I pray every fear, every worry, every burden, every distraction, uh, Lord, would just be removed in this time that we have. That God, as we turn our heart and our attention to the word of life, the Lord, the bread of life, that God, you would speak to us today, that Lord, the living word would come alive in our hearts and our minds, that Jesus, we would hear and have and experience revelation from you, and that God, we would leave truly transformed and empowered as your sons and daughters to fulfill your will on this earth. Holy Spirit, move and minister to each and every one of us exactly what we need from you today. Lord, I pray for those that need salvation, salvation. Lord, those that need healing, healing. Those that need freedom, freedom. God, I pray that every lie and every curse would be broken. And that, God, we would walk in the life, the abundant life that you've made available to us. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we're talking about self-control today. We're jumping into... Uh, this message, and I've got three things that I want to share with you about it. And uh, uh, as we're as we're jumping into uh, as we're jumping into self control, I want to I just want to say there's a reason, as far as I'm concerned, there's a reason that this one's last in the fruit of the spirit. You know why? Because the hardest person to control is ourselves. Um, and so I believe that, uh, I've shared this many times before, that all of the fruits of the Spirit that, that are listed here, that God builds on each one of those. Love being the first is the foundation of our lives. The, the joy of God, the peace of God, the goodness of God, the gentleness of God, the patience of God, the faithfulness of God. All of those things that I believe that God has called us to, all of those things build to this moment. Because as each one of those fruits are at work within our life, it, it positions us to exercise the self-control that God has called of us. So when we talk about this from the Word of God, when we talk about it from Galatians 
uh, and, we, and we dive through this and we go through this, there's a few things that I want to share with you that I believe are powerful revelations from the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'll just tell you uh, that no one has fully mastered self-control but Jesus. Okay? So tell your neighbor the pressure's off. You know, we start talking about self-control and everybody gets real tense, you know, because we all think about those things that we need to do better at, right? You know, and I'll just say this, you're your own worst critic, so usually you're not viewing things through the best lens, okay? That's why God surrounds us with one another so that we help one another. We talk about those things, we encourage one another, we pray with one another, we, we, we walk those things out together. But the thing that's important is that you take the pressure, you take the pressure off because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment and dive into that. But the first, the first thing that I would say when it comes to self-control, you know, when we think of control, we, we, think of, uh, we think of being in control, of having control, of maintaining control. Uh, you know, I was thinking about that in a couple different ways. I you know, I was thinking about those, uh, those people that you ride with that uh, they don't seem to have very good control of their vehicles, and you pray, you get real close to Jesus in those moments, you know, and those are the moments that you want to say, get control, like, stop, you know, pay attention, and, uh, or you would rather them get out of the driver's seat so that you can drive so that you have control, right? Um, the Bible says self-control, so Jesus has called myself to be in the driver's seat and for you to get over in the passenger seat because you're out of control. Um, and so, you know, and then you have, you have those moments where your parents or your spouse or someone else, you know, you'll be uh, getting real excited about something and they'll tell you, control yourself. You know, you need to calm, you need to calm down. And, um, and, and usually that, that comes from a point of, uh, uh, of just uh, in, intense excitement, passion, whatever it is. And so when we talk about self-control, we think about, we think about some of those different things. And we think about the emphasis of having control and basically having the ability to say no. When we talk about self-control in this context in the Word of God, it's talking about the things that we desire, that are natural desires, that are natural tendencies for us, that the Spirit says are not good for us. And so what happens in our lives as believers when we say yes to the Lord, there are things that in our human nature we desire that are not beneficial for us as a believer. And it happens when the Holy Spirit exposes sin and exposes things that are not in line with the Word of God and begins to lead us on a journey of transformation. Because God is transforming us day by day. God's renewing our mind day by day. God's showing us new things, and God's calling us higher. God's calling us to be more like him. And that process and that journey is not easy, uh, especially without self-control, especially without being able to tell ourselves no, especially not with being able to say no to the temptations that are prevalent all around us. And the reality is everyone is tempted. Everyone is tempted. We're tempted in many different ways, through many different forms, through many different outlets. And it can be from something uh, it can be from the things that we classify as big sins. You know, here I said we classify. Sin is sin. So, you know, if you're talking about adultery or you're talking about lying, they're all the same to God. And sin separates us from God. So there's, we classify all these different things. But what happens with the Lord, what happens with the Holy Spirit, is that when we step in a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit begins this process of opening our eyes to things. And here's the deal. It doesn't always... It doesn't always happen instantaneously. You know, so many times when somebody gets saved, especially if we've been in the church for a long time, we're like, why are they still doing that? Well, <laughs> they're learning, right? 
uh, when a child is born and begins to grow, uh, they don't know how to, to, to cook and clean and do chores and, you know, all those things. So you, we teach them. There's a process that goes through that. And let me just pause right there and say, if you've been a part of the body of Christ for any, any, any length of time, then you are called to be a part of the disciple-making process. Okay? Because in that journey, we encourage one another, we lift one another up, we support one another, we come alongside one another, and through that, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's why we've been doing summer life groups on Wednesday nights, because there are some things that I can learn from Harold Bradshaw uh, that I can't learn on my own, because there's things that he's experienced, that he's walked out with the Lord, and it'll save me some time, it'll save me some trouble when I face different things in my life, having heeded the wisdom that he has, and vice versa. There's other people, younger, older, it does not matter, but what happens when we come together is we encourage one another, and we experience the revelation and the insight that God has for us. So the Holy Spirit teaches us the importance of what self-control says to us and realizing that temptation is prevalent everywhere. All of us are subject to it. Jesus was subject to it. At the end of his 40-day fast before the launch of his ministry, he had the enemy come to him not once, not twice, but three times to try to get him to what? Sin. To step out of the will of God, to step out of obedience to the purpose and the, and, the, and the reason why God had called him there, and to take hold of what was being presented to him and what was being given to him. Why? Because sin is usually always the easy way out. Don't you like it when things are easy? I hate it when things are hard. I hate it when things are difficult. I, I helped a friend of mine this past Friday put a uh, new fuel pump in his truck, and we watched the video on YouTube. How many of you, your mechanics by YouTube? You're do-it-yourself by YouTube, right? Thank God for YouTube. And so uh, we, we, uh, he had studied it for a long time, and so I went over there to help him, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm probably just going to be prayer support because I'm not a mechanic. God called me to preach. And here's the deal. <laughs> when God's called you to do something, stay in your lane. I'm just going to take the pressure off of you. Some of you, you're called to build. Some of you, you're called to teach. Some of you are called, you have callings and giftings and talents that others of us don't. And when we try to do it, it's just not, it's not good. So anyways, so I, I pulled up the video and it said it was 16 and a half minutes long, whatever it was. And I was like, great, <laughs> we'll be done in no time, you know? And so I hit play and I'm watching the whole steps and I'm like, how many times do you think that they took all this apart and put all this back together and cleaned everything up and got it ready before they filmed it, you know? You just go over here and you take this off and you just go over there and you take that off and it's just real quick and it's nice and easy. So we knew it was going to be a long project. I didn't go in with expectations thinking that we were going to be done in two hours. Now, four and a half hours or six hours, but nine and a half hours later, I went home. And so we go through this whole process because every step that we were supposed to follow, they said, this is how it's supposed to happen. Guess what? That is not how it happened. Isn't life a lot like that, right? There's so many of those moments and so many of those times where you're in that situation, you're in that circle, and things don't go the way that we planned or the way that we, had, the way that we had expected. And so many times when it comes to our life and when it comes to our walk with the Lord and, and we're in that journey and we're in that moment, we get so frustrated and our natural, our natural reaction is to, is to operate out of that frustration. Our natural reaction is to take hold of that and apply that in our lives. But what happens when we walk by the Spirit and we walk in that self-control is we honestly keep ourselves from reaping the consequences of the 
benefits of giving in to our anger, our anger, our frustration, whatever those things are, we maintain a spirit of peace and we position ourselves to learn, we position ourselves to grow, we position ourselves to experience the blessings and the benefits that come with doing life with Jesus. And when it comes to when it comes to self-control, how, how I respond and how I react to things that are either going the way they should or the way they shouldn't is evidence of the Spirit of God and self-control that's in my life. And so what happens in our lives and in the journey that God has taken us on is we look at this and we realize a couple of things about self-control and the impact of this fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And the first is this. Number one, self-control is personal. It's about me, not you. Self-control is personal. It's about me, not you. Sometimes we get this confused and we think that self-control is about me making sure that you're in control, right? Um, and so we think that self-control is about making sure that we have control over everybody else. You know, it's easier to tell sometimes when somebody else is out of control. You know, it's like, yeah, you really shouldn't do it that way. Uh, that's really not the best, right? Uh, well, self-control is, is one of those things that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and I about personally. Self-control is a personal journey. It's a personal experience. It's a personal experience. And self-control is evident of the Spirit of God that's at work within our life. So when we walk in self-control and we realize that it's not about me worrying about what everybody else is doing. It's about worrying about what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life. It takes the pressure off of me trying to make sure that everybody else is doing X, Y, Z. And positions me to listen to the Holy Spirit about what He's saying in my life. Because at the end of the day... There's only one that's called to convict, and it's the Holy Spirit. It's, there's one that's called to convict, and it's the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another one who will condemn, and that's the enemy. And the enemy will use what people say and circumstances and situations to bring condemnation to try to keep you and I from responding to conviction so that we can walk in the freedom and we can walk in the abundant life that God has called us to. Because God has not called us to live a miserable life. God hasn't called us to live a hopeless life. God hasn't called us to live a life where it's just one thing after the next of one problem, one, one, one chaotic thing. One, here's the deal. I'm not saying that there won't be seasons of life where you'll face one thing after the next, but it's that in facing those things, what's my reaction and what's my response? Am I giving into the hopelessness that the enemy wants me to give into? Am I giving into the, am I giving into the lies of the enemy that say, this is just how it is and this is just how it'll always be? Or am I reminding myself that even like the apostles and even those who preach the gospel who found themselves in prisons, who found themselves shipwrecked, who found themselves in all sorts of chaotic this just crazy things, crazy situations that they were faced with, what did they have? They had joy, they had peace, they had hope, they had faith, they had confidence. Why? Because Jesus said, when I came, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. So I, what happens in the middle of all of the chaos and all the uncertainty is that I realize that in this moment, I may not have control over anything else. I may not have control over anybody else, but the one thing that I have control over is myself. And the one thing that I've been reminded of from the word of God again and 
and again and again is that I am his and he is mine, that there is nothing that can separate me from his love, not in this earth, out of this earth, or under the earth. So while I don't have control over my situations and I don't have control over all the different things that I'm facing, the one thing I do have control of is myself and my response to this. So myself, I'm going to worship. Myself, I'm going to praise. Myself, I'm going to seek the Lord. Myself, I'm going to continue to give. Myself, I'm going to continue to respond to the goodness and to the faithfulness of God because what I know to be true, what I know to be, to be faithful in every experience in my life is that God does not go back on his word. So my response to my situations, my response to what's happening is for myself to give God praise, for myself to continue to honor the Lord, myself to continue to seek God first, to pursue the Lord above all else. So when we understand that, it's important to understand that self-control is a very personal, uh, it's a very personal thing. And it's a thing that God calls us to walk out with Him each and every day. Self-control requires personal surrender. Self-control requires personal surrender. You cannot, you and I cannot have self-control if we're not willing to surrender. Because uh, self-control that is exercised in our life is evident of the Spirit of God in our life that we have submitted our life to Christ. When I say no to something that the rest of the world says yes to, it is not because I think that I am somehow holier than everyone else. <laughs> Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. It's that I realize that the Holy Spirit has made it clear to me, that the Holy Spirit has made it plain to me, that if I continue to walk in this direction, I'm going to continue to reap misery. I'm going to continue to reap problems. I'm going to continue to reap chaos. And I'm not doing chaos. I'm not doing misery. Jesus didn't say, I called you to a life of misery. He said, I called you to an abundant life. And Jesus didn't call me to a place of constant hopelessness and despair. He called me to a place where I have hope and I have peace and I have joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, a peace that does surpass all understanding, a confidence and a trust in him that I have a, a, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So self-control, when it comes to that moment, when it comes to that place between me and the Lord, what happens is I'm positioning myself to hear what God is saying and respond accordingly. I'm surrendering myself to the Lord and saying, you know what? Not my will, but yours be done. The same that Jesus did. I would rather run from this problem. I would rather run into the middle of what I think is going to fix all of my problems problems, what I think is going to solve all of my issues, what I think is going to be the answer, but the Holy Spirit is saying no. The Word of God is saying no. God has made it clear to me, so I'm choosing to say no today. I'm surrendering myself to the Lord and saying, not my will, but yours be done. And when I do that, there's incredible things that God begins to do. There's incredible ways that God begins to move. And one of the biggest things that the enemy will use to keep self-control from being active and working in our life is getting us worried about everybody else. Don't worry about everybody else. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7? Don't worry. Don't, don't worry about the, the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a plank coming out of your own. In fact, the word he used was you hypocrite. Jesus. <laughs> it's offensive, isn't it? Why? You mean I have a plank in my own eye? Oftentimes we can't even see it. That's why the Holy Spirit's come. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. I respond in self-control because the Holy Spirit makes me aware of what is in my life that doesn't need to be in my life, of what's blocking my view, what's blocking the vision that God has given me. One of the biggest reasons why we give up on the Lord and why we walk away from the call that God has given us is because we can't see the revelation that's in front of us. Because there are things that the Holy Spirit's calling us to lay down that if we don't lay it down, we'll never be able to see. If my eyes are covered 
and I'm doing everything that I can to see, but I won't remove that covering, then I'll never be able to experience or encounter the revelation that God has for me. And I can ask the Lord a hundred million times, God, show me, show me, show me. And all the while the Holy Spirit saying, move your hands. You ever have those moments with the Lord? You're like, Lord, if you would just do this. And God's saying, I already told you what to do. Lord, if you would just solve this. God, if you would just solve this. I already told you what to do. God, if you would just make a way. I did. If you'll just do what I told you to do. Why? Because oftentimes, it's not always the answer that we're waiting on God for. It's our response to what the Holy Spirit has challenged us to do. Because if we're not willing to surrender some things to the Lord, we can never step into the fullness of what he has for us. Don't you love self-control? Isn't it great? Some of y'all are like, I'm, I'll be glad when you're done with this message. All right, second point. Self-control. <laughs> self-control is impossible without the Holy Spirit. If the first point felt heavy, this one should feel a whole lot better. You can't have self-control without the Holy Ghost. In other words, you don't have to do it alone. But you said it's self-control. Yes, from the Holy Spirit. Self-control defined in the Greek is actually the ability to master, to, ha to have mastered one's own desires through the power of God. So when he talks about self-control, what he's talking about is the power of God through us to say no to the things that are not of God that are trying to lure us from the truth and from the way that God has called us to. So when the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives, the things that used to be impossible for us to say no to are now possible not by our own strength and our own merits, but by the Lord's. So here's, here's the thing. Some of you are saying, well, yeah, well, I've tried that and it's not always worked. Okay. Well, I've got news for you on that. The word's clear. Make every effort. Make every effort. Tell your neighbor, make every effort. You're not always going to get self-control right. I know you're shocked by that. I know you are. I know, I know that's shocked. I don't always get self-control right. We respond according to our flesh because it's natural. Following the Spirit requires an intentional effort on our part to exercise the revelation that the Holy Spirit has given us. So when I exercise self-control, what I'm doing is taking the revelation and the insight that the Holy Spirit has given me and the power that God has poured into my life through the Holy Spirit to respond to the things that God has set in front of me, to the, the, to the temptations that the enemy has presented to me or that life has presented to me, and to respond not on my own strength or on my own merits, but on the Lord's. The reason that Jesus was in the garden praying, not my will, yours be done, was because in his flesh... He didn't want to go to the cross. You ever have those things where you just you don't want to do it? You know you've got to do it, but you don't want to do it. And isn't it easier to just say, ah, not today, right? But the problem is, is that not today means that it's still there tomorrow. And then the next day, it's there. And usually the problem just gets worse, and not better, right? And so, so th there's that natural temptation for us to want to push against those things, but the Holy Spirit brings revelation, and God shows us in His Word how to be able to respond to the, to the temptations that we face and how to, how to ultimately overcome the things that, uh, that life and the things that the enemy is wanting to try to uh, ultimately uh, rob us from. John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15, Jesus said, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. 
this, this is how our human nature works, okay? Here Jesus says, I'm going away. Nobody asks him, where are you going? Everyone's just like, oh, you're leaving. Oh, here's the, This is a moment where they have Jesus right in front of them and they can gain revelation, but what happens? They respond according to their human nature. That's what's natural to us. So Jesus says, you grieve that I'm going away. He says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There are so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. So what happens in our life when it comes to self-control is that the Holy Spirit brings revelation. Revelation is so important. Revelation is so important to the life of uh, of every believer. If we are not experiencing revelations from the Lord, uh, then we are missing out on the truth and on the nourishment that our spirit man needs. We have to have revelation from heaven. Without revelation from heaven, we're not able to experience the fulfillment of what God has intended and what God has purposed for us. So Jesus says, I'm going away. The advocate will come. When the advocate comes, uh, he's going to convict. So this is why when we became a believer or if you're new in your journey or walking with the Lord or you've been with Jesus for a long time, you know when the Holy Spirit's telling you no. Let me just talk to all the, vet, let me talk to all the veteran Christians that are in the room. You know when the Holy Spirit's told you no. And you know when you don't listen. You know, it's like, those things, it's like being a child and you've heard your parents tell you a million times because parents, I promise you, you do tell your kids at least a million times. At least, at least. And you get to this point, and you're, you're usually at least an older child or, or a teenager, and you know what your mom and dad would say before you even do it. And you're like, I already know. I don't even have to ask mom and dad if this is okay, because I already know the answer is no. Okay, right? I'm going to do it anyway. And then we go, well, I didn't know. And our parents look at us like, what do you... What do you mean you didn't? I told you, I've told you a thousand times that the answer is no. You know that you're not supposed to. So, so what happens in our life as believers is the longer that we walk in relationship with God and the longer that we walk with the Holy Spirit, there's revelation and insight that the Holy Spirit gives us and discernment about matters and about different things from the Lord. And that revelation is essential. When we first step into our relationship with God, there are things that we're doing that we do not realize are sin. But as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit through His love shows us those things that, hey, you need to lay this down. Hey, you need to surrender this. Hey, you need to give this up. Why? Because God is wanting to take us to another level in His presence, another understanding of who He is in our lives and our relationship with Him to experience His goodness and His glory in a new way and a new measure. Without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's never repentance. And repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is a continual thing. And if you don't believe me, healthy marriages are full of repentance. Guys, can I hear an amen? amen. 
All right, and so we walk in repentance. Some of you will get it later. We walk in repentance to what the Holy Spirit has said to us. Guys, we learn to say, I'm sorry. So um, I'm just helping those that are, the coffee hasn't kicked in this morning. All right, so we walk in the, in the revelation of what the Holy Spirit has given us, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit leads us to repentance. We should not treat repentance as this grave overwhelming, heavy-weighted thing. The reason that we oftentimes have that interpretation of repentance or repenting in our lives is because we feel the weight of the revelation of the sin that the Holy Spirit's made clear to us. But we have to understand that Jesus already paid the price for that. Jesus is not calling you and I to pay the price for sin. He's calling you and I to walk away from it. And so what happens when we repent is we say, you know what, I realize that what I've been doing or what I have done is out of line with what your word and your will and your plan and your purpose is for my life. So Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of that. I lay that at your feet. I'm turning and I'm going in the direction that you've called me to because I want to walk closer with you. I want to live each and every day full of your presence with your Holy Spirit leading me in every area of my life, in my marriage, raising my family, in my finances, in my job, in the gifts and the talents and the callings and the places that you've established for me. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will be done. I want to experience heaven on earth. I want to see you pour out your spirit in these last days. So whatever I got to do to get whatever I need to out of the way, Holy Spirit, help me to overcome and to walk in the freedom that God has called me to and that God has established. Conviction and repentance are essential for us to grow and who God has called us to be as mature believers. So it's not a, don't, don't treat it as a bad thing. If the Holy Spirit's convicting you of something, thank the Holy Spirit for that revelation. Thank the Holy Spirit for His love. When a parent corrects their child, when a parent who loves their child corrects their child, the reason that they're correcting them is not because they think that discipline is fun. Every teenager in the room says, that's not true. Yes, it is. And the truth will set you free. That's what the Word of God says. Your parents, listen, discipline, our parents discipline us. Those who are in authority over us discipline us, not because they think it's fun. The reason that you got pulled over and got a ticket for speeding was because you broke the law. Don't you hate that? And so what happens when the officer comes, we just think that the police, they just have nothing better to do. Well, they do have better things to do, but part of their job is to make sure that you and I are out of control. Because if you and I are going 90 miles an hour and a 60 mile an hour, there are some potential hazards that we could come across that could be life-threatening. So the reason that the speed limit is posted what it is is because it's a safe speed for you and I to travel based on the potential conditions. Now, a lot of times we think that they don't know what they were doing when they wrote some of those speed limits. And here's the deal. I can agree with some of you on that because there are some roads that are too slow. That's my opinion. But that's not the law. Right? So if I break the law, what do I do? I position myself to experience discipline. Why? Because I know myself what I need to do, but instead of exercising self-control, those who are in authority over me have had to exercise their authority to bring discipline and correction so that I don't end up reaping <laughs> worse consequences down the road. Sometimes those major inconveniences that we like to call them 
are really God's attempts at saving us from some calamity that's further down the road than what God has given us. Now, I use this illustration to further go deeper into the understanding that there are some things in our life that we look at it and we can say, well, so-and-so has done it this way for years and it's never affected them. Well, you're not so-and-so. You are you have been created and called and destined and designed by God with a purpose and a destiny that is no one else's. So what God, what the Holy Spirit may be talking to you and I about personally, about what we don't need to do, he may not be talking to the same thing to that person about, but God's not, I'm, I'm not, it, it's self-control. It's not controlling them, it's about me. So what do I need to do to respond to the Holy Spirit? Because when discipline comes into effect, it's out of love. A parent disciplines their child. You tell a one and a half year old no when they're sticking their finger in the light socket. Why? Because you're just a mean parent. You're just mean. Mean parent, right? No. You don't want them to what? Be electrocuted. So you tell them no. So there are certain things, there are certain parameters that God gives us, that God, that God makes clear to us, that he reveals to us. And the purpose of that is for our blessing and for our benefit. So the Holy Spirit makes that possible. The Holy Spirit brings that revelation from God that says, hey, there are these things that you... That, that it's time for you to say no to, that it's time for you to, to, to step in that direction. And when I listen to that from the Holy Spirit and I begin to respond in obedience and I begin to walk that out with the Lord, that knowledge and that revelation positions me for the blessings and the benefits to reap the goodness of God in ways like never before. Most often, it's not going to end up looking like everybody else. You know, well, so-and-so did it this way, and they, they, they reap these benefits a whole lot faster. But I, I don't want to do it everyone else's way. I want to do it God's way. Because when God does it, when God blesses, when God, when God fulfills his word and his promises and his plans in my life, it's good. It's full of peace. It's full of joy. It's full of the blessings and the benefits that the Holy Spirit and the word of God have made clear and have made evident in every area of my life. But what about the temptations? What about, what about the attempts of the enemy to get me to stumble, to get me to fall, to get me to walk away? I love this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1, it says, For I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Don't be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That last, that last chapter is such, an, is such a critical and such an important thing. When temptation comes, God is not unfamiliar with those temptations, but He's also, he's also given you, a, you and I a way out to be able to withstand that. That ability comes from the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Word says that the, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and I. 
So the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God that is within our lives, what happens when we experience the Holy Spirit at salvation, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we open ourselves up to being able to walk in the empowerment of the Lord to say no to the things that we need to say no to and yes to the things that God has called us to say yes to. Temptation affects everyone. And I'll say this. If you're facing temptation, hear me, one of the biggest things that the enemy will always love to blur blur the lines on is that if you're tempted, then you've sinned. No. Temptation is, sin is giving in to the temptation that's been presented before you and I. So, So the enemy will always want to blur those things because he wants to do anything that he can to get you in the condemnation box. Okay? Because if he can get you in in the box of condemnation, do you know what we do? We give up. We give up. And that's why Paul said what he did in Romans 8.1. There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because Jesus has paid the price for sin. So when the Heavenly Father corrects me through the Holy Spirit, when the, when the Holy Spirit exposes sin in my life and I repent of those things, what happens is I position myself to experience the freedom and to experience the joy of walking in the revelation and the insight of what God has ultimately positioned and what God has ultimately purposed for me as his child. All right, third point, last one. Self-control positions me to, to participate in the process and the promises of God. The beautiful thing about, the beautiful thing about, about self-control in our life as a believer is the position that it puts us in. When we say no to the temptations of this world, when we say no to the things that God calls us to say no to, um, it's, it, the, the enemy... <laughs> usually paints it this way. Well, you're missing out. You ever felt that way? Right? Or the enemy says, or, or, or the situation or the circumstance, whatever it is, we look at it and we go, man, I wish I would have. And the enemy begins doing everything that he can to, to still entice and to still use those temptations. Why? Because he wants to do whatever he can to rob you and I of the intimacy that we have in our relationship with Christ. Because when you and I are walking in obedience to what God has told us to, understand, not perfect. This isn't about, this isn't about trying to become perfect. There's only one who's perfect. It's Christ. We're in the process. We're in the transformation process, okay? But self-control is learning with the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to the things that God's calling us to say no to, to grow in our understanding and our knowledge of Him. What happens when we say no in obedience to what the Holy Spirit has said we position ourselves to reap the blessings and the benefits, to, to participate in the process of what God is doing in the earth, and to reap the blessings that God has associated with that in our lives. The enemy wants to do whatever he can to get you and I out of, out of the, the events that God is unfolding on the earth right now. If he can get you and I to walk away from our relationship with the Lord, if he can get you and I to walk away from our pursuit of God, if he he can get you and I to give in to the temptations that are before us, that the enemy is using to entice us to walk away from Jesus in our pursuit of him, then he has succeeded in the temptations that he's presented to us. Why? Because if you and I are walking hand in hand with Jesus, especially in this hour, especially in this moment right now, then we are positioned to be a part of the outpouring of God's spirit and the fulfillment of God's plan on the earth. And when we say no to certain things and we respond in obedience and say yes to the things that God has called us to, we position ourselves for God's plan to be fulfilled in our lives. God's way is so much better. 
God's way is so much better. And when we respond in obedience to what he says, it positions us to experience uh, the ability to participate in the process. There are some things that when you and I say no to those things, it doesn't, uh, you know, when we say no, there's, there's not this uh, huge audience that's just cheering loudly. You know, we think when we say no that everyone's going to be like, yeah, right? Uh, Jesus is. We don't always hear him that way. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we think, okay, well, I said no to that, and there, there should be this immense, overwhelming feeling. And in the moment, we don't necessarily always feel that. Why? Because what we've been positioned in is the process. So God, in his process, is leading us through. And what happens as we continue in that process is that it positions us to reap blessings that if we wouldn't have listened to what the Holy Spirit said, we would have been robbed along the way. Because, because the enemy does not want you to experience the blessings and the benefits that God has for your life. He doesn't want you to experience the goodness of God. He doesn't want you to experience the promises of God. He does not want you to experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because if you do, you will turn the world upside down. When you and I say no in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is telling us to, and we say yes to the things of God, we position ourselves to be a part of the Spirit of God moving in people's lives in unprecedented ways. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He has called His church to walk in the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to walk with all fruits of the Spirit at work and operating in our life. Because when that happens, you have a church that is full of hope, that is full of faith, that is full of love, that is full of joy, that is carrying the light of the gospel in its city, in its state, in its nation, in the world, that is being positioned to be a part of God's promise and God's plan and being fulfilled in the earth. I want to be right in the middle of whatever God's doing. And so there may be some things that the rest of the world is saying yes to that God calls me to say no to. And I want to say, I want to, I want to say no when the Holy Spirit tells me to say no so that when God comes, I can say yes to the things that he has for me ahead of Because the blessings and the joy that God has for you and I when we position ourselves in that way are absolutely life-changing. I'll read these two verses and then I'll close. Is, is, my, is my worship pastor's back? It's like they're making spaghetti or something. Ms. Diane, will you go find him for me? Will you guys give it up for the greatest secretary treasurer that the world has ever known? Miss Diane. She's awesome. She was on vacation last week, and it was rough. Let me just tell you, she has us, she has your pastor spoiled. That's all I can say. So we're thankful for her. 34 years this, this, this month, 34 years, she served servant's heart. She loves the Lord. I'd bring her up here, but I'd be in trouble tomorrow, and I'm not going to do that. So, all right, let me wrap this up. Second Peter 1, 4. Have you guys, have you stuck with me today? I know this has been a little more teachy than it's been preachy, and, uh, but it's deep, and I just, um, I believe it's what the Holy Spirit's speaking to our hearts, because God's calling us to be alert. Uh, the word's clear. The devil is uh, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and God's called us to be on guard, to be alert. And uh, I just believe that when the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives, man, the, the goodness of God, the blessings of God uh, are, are sure to follow. So this is what Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse number 4 says. It says, through, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through, you, through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world 
caused by evil desires. So again, from the Holy Spirit, God's positioned us to participate in ultimately the promises that he has given and in the divine nature that he's given us to escape the corruption of the world. Because that's the beautiful thing as a believer is that when we say yes to Jesus and receive the salvation that he has for us when we repent of our sins, we're given an inheritance, go to 1 Peter chapter 1, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So while I may not see everything that I believe and have faith and that I'm trusting God for in my life on this side of eternity, as I continue to fulfill what God has said, I will see those things come to pass because of the inheritance that God has given me. So I have eternal life. That means you never die. This physical body, yes, but the Spirit of God that's within you and the soul of God that's been placed within you lives on because of the, because of the relationship that you and I have with Jesus. And I don't have time to talk about the resurrection of the dead and all those things that come when the trumpet sounds. And we're getting close. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 11 says, So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do these things and you will never fall away, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The enemy wants you and I to fall away. The enemy wants you and I to give up and to back down. Self-control, the fruit of the Spirit at work within our life, positions us to participate in the blessings and in the promises of what God's established for us as His church. I'm thankful that self-control isn't all on me. Amen? Tell your neighbor, don't do it alone. No, come on, preach with me. Tell them, don't do it alone. Don't try to do it by yourself. Are you, can you play for me? Are you good? The spaghetti won't burn? Praise God. How many of you are excited about lunch? Amen. Don't go anywhere yet. We're going to baptize people. So uh, when, we, but when, we, when we are positioned where God has called us to, we reap the blessings and the benefits that God's established for us. Self-control, God has not called us to do it on our own. He's called us to do life with him. You are not alone. One of the biggest lies that the enemy will try to use, one of the biggest temptations that the enemy will use is to try to convince you that you are alone, that you are isolated. God said, Jesus again and again said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Jesus said in the great commission that he gave, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You are not alone. It's a temptation of the enemy to buy into that lie because the moment that we do, we rob ourselves of the peace, of the truth, and of the power of God's word and his Holy Spirit in our lives.